Support for this podcast is provided by Atrax. Atrax is the total career site system, which converts site visitors into high quality job applicants. A fully SaaS system, Atrax is powered by the latest AI to deliver an outstanding and relevant talent experience, personalised employer branding and a strong conversion of candidates into the ATS. To find out more, go to www.attracts.co.uk. That's www.attracts.co.uk. And Attracts is spelled A-T-T-R-A-X. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 277 of the Recruiting Future podcast. A few weeks ago, I hosted a webinar organised by Attracts, exploring both the short and long-term future of talent acquisition. My guests were Ellie Hart, recruitment partner at Atkins, and Ben Gledhill, head of resourcing transformation at Thames Water. We discussed how talent acquisition in their two organisations has been affected by the pandemic, how they were replanning the future and the likely long-term impacts. We had some great feedback, so I'm delighted to be able to bring you the live audio recording we made of the webinar as this latest episode of the podcast. Ben and Ellie, thanks very much for joining us. And I know that you're going to come from slightly different angles to this, but I'm going to ask you, um, I'm going to ask you both the same questions. So first question, uh, talk us through what immediate challenges has COVID-19 presented for talent acquisition in your business and how are you responding? How's the business responding? Yeah, thanks, Mark. Good to uh, speak to everyone. So I think the, uh, I I think the first thing is probably the more simple thing in terms of, you know, COVID is making our industry 10 times more difficult because we don't know what happens, never mind week by week, but day by day. You know, I think um, end of February, um, we had the old world, face-to-face interviews, um, assessment centres, um, and then two or three weeks later, you had to pretty much flip your strategy um, on its head um, in terms of uh, all interviews became virtual, um, assessment centres became virtual, and um, you had to look at how um, you influence uh, leaders in regards to hiring. Um, and obviously, you know, on, on the you know kind of the negative side, also we have a hell of a lot of people have been furloughed, and um, budgets have been cut. Um, you know, and we do live in a very uncertain future. I think when it comes to hiring, um, I don't think we're. At, I don't think we've hit the bottom yet. I, I think things will get worse. Um, so I think it's a time for TA to be as re- as resilient as we can be, uh, as we can be uh, as possible. Um, and yet again, really show our business not just in terms of hiring, but looking at things like internal mobility, uh, redeploying people internally, um, and and really moving from that kind of that transactional model to uh, more of a business advisor. Really, I pretty much echo what what Ben's just there, said there in terms of our organisation, the situation we're going through, how we're having to cope. We've got people that are furloughed at the moment across the business. Um, We're also in a situation where I'd probably say the number of vacancies on our website has dropped off probably by around 90% across the globe, um, simply because we've had to put things on hold. And, And in terms of if we look at our talent attraction strategy, 
we had a really detailed strategy at the beginning of the year and the fundamentals of that strategy we've had to put on hold and we're going through a process at the moment of completely having to rework what are our attraction plans because we will get through the other side of this there will be a recovery how do we focus towards that in the longer term and the recruitment for quarter four but also how do we look at those people that we'd already engaged and keeping them warm and keeping them informed on the situation that we're in at the moment as well? And so some of that has been making sure we've got the right sort of messaging that we're going out to candidates with and that we're also still keeping ourselves at the forefront of passive candidates' minds as well in the right way. Just picking up picking up on that um, and staying with you, Ellie, to sort of move on to the next question. I mean, tell us a bit, a mm-hmm. bit more about the types of activity you're focusing on now and and how you're sort of replanning for the rest of the year. What, is, what does that now look like? We utilise Yammer internally, which um, for us is a great community for us to be able to collaborate really well with the staff across the rest of the organisation. So we're spotlighting some of the best content that we're seeing across there. We have um, weekly themed challenges that we're challenging us with as well. So those are perhaps the view from my desk, um, remote working hacks, working from home tips, fitness tips, how they're staying connected. And the best of those that we have coming back to us, we're sharing across social media. We're really utilising the careers website from a storytelling perspective as well. So um, we have at least one piece a week that sits on the careers website, which mainly focuses around how we're supporting one another um, and our culture of care that we have internally. We've got Instagram story takeovers related to some of the good news that comes out of what's happening with coronavirus is a lot of people are becoming much more connected with their families who are enjoying not having to commute into work, for example. Um, we've got top tips on social media. We're utilising our employee ambassadors. Um, and we're really, I guess, through all of that, trying to create a visual identity that pulls all of that content together across our social channels. Um, we've utilised a new hashtag, which is in this together. And it really is quite a reactive hopefully short-term campaign and then longer term we're looking at like I said reworking our strategy we have specific recruitment campaigns that we plan out across the rest of the year and we're now having to go back and and rework all those so that they work when we go into recovery mode Um, but I guess one of the key things for us is perhaps not just waiting until we go into recovery mode but trying to get all the assets created now so that we've got those in place ready to go and be really active when we can same, same question to you ben what you know what what are you focusing on now what does the planning for the rest of the year look like so i think i mean obviously we're um kind of we're going through and i'm leading um a function-wide uh, resource and transformation program but yeah we're, we're looking um but we're taking things um a little bit uh, literally in terms of you know we're, we're looking at things like our um, our copy our tone of voice and a lot of the things that we're looking to implement in the tech space um, is really focused on you know making that yet again making that candidate experience as smooth as as smooth as possible and i think a key piece of this will be common because you know a a lot of kind of commentators in the media and so forth are saying you know well recruitment's going to become really really easy because there's going to be lots of people on the market uh, it's going to be pick or choose it's 2008 all over and all these kind of um, all these kind of arguments but I still think that you will get people that will, um, due to the uncertainty and just due to the new normal, I had to use that phrase that we're living in, you'll get people that will still be scared to move, you know, even to the big blue chips and other kind of bits and pieces like that. So, you know, we're concentrating on our comms 
and we're concentrating that you know um where we can be human and where we can have that human contact you know okay that the conversation with the recruiters conversations with the hiring managers even down to things like you know uh, making sure that if somebody asks a question around a contract for a start date they get the answer like that so i think you know people are going to be edgy and cagey and you know sensitive enough so i think for me for ta teams they really need to focus in on that that, that kind of uh, that, that communication piece and making sure that you're taking the pain i was let's be honest with it it hasn't been perfect taking out the pain because you know people are having tough enough lives at home or at work or whatever so when it comes to finding the opportunity you know we need to make sure that um you know we're being as uh, empathetic as we can Ellie, can I just, uh, I'm going to ask him um, a bit more about, both of you a bit more about employer branding and and what that looks like right now in a second. But but before I do, could you tell us a little bit about your Instagram story takeovers? Because I've always, I've always loved following them, even though I'm not nowhere near your target audience of, of engineers. Are you still doing those? What does one of those look like in the current situation? Yeah, so Instagram stories started for us about 12 months ago, and it was a it was a bit of a brave leap and they've actually evolved really well over the last 12 months. Um, we're effectively, we're giving our channel over to our employees and there's a lot of nervousness around people being the voice of Atkins and what they can and can't say. But I think the stories over the last 12 months have made people feel comfortable with how they tell their story, for example. Um, it's about being real, being casual, being relaxed. It's not a corporate platform. We want people to have a really realistic view of a day in the life of Um and they have worked really well. And we've got some great people within our organization who have taken up those Instagram takeovers while we've been going through the pandemic. Um, prime example is the MD of our transportation business, which is a lady called Lizzie Stewart. Um, she's great. She's on the leadership team. She's very social media savvy, but she did a very honest takeover with her kids in it, talking about what she's doing with her kids, talking about the struggles of working alongside your children at home, but also then talking about the industry and how is the transportation industry going to be affected by what's happening. And it just felt very real and very genuine. Um, and I think that's why our takeovers work really well. It's you get a proper insight into that person's day and, and life. And, and I think the great thing from Liz's takeover was where there's a lot of people probably struggling and thinking, oh, you know, I'm not really not doing a great job of this juggling childcare and working from home. She made everyone feel like they were in the same boat. Fantastic stuff. And talking about working from home, I'm 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 on tender hooks as to whether my four year old is going to run in any any moment and try and take over this <laughs> uh, take over this webinar. Leading on from that, I think it's a good time to sort of ask about employer branding. I mean, to to, to Ben first. I mean, how. How's the pandemic affecting your organization's approach to employer brand? And do you think that this is going to be that there's going to be a long lasting change? So I think I think if I can if I can take the first uh, the first part um, in terms of what Thames Water are doing. So uh, the one thing that has been really impressive to me and I joined the business in the second week in March. So I am almost like a COVID-19 new starter. Our leadership has been very transparent in terms of very early doors from the get-go this is our plan as soon as things change we will inform you um, and in terms of an evp i think solid leadership is going to be one of the, one of the key pillars for us um, and I, I think um, I, I coined a phrase uh, probably about a month and a month and a half ago in terms of i think a lot of people will look back and say 
yes, you've got the flashy website. Yes, you've got 3,000 followers on your your, uh, your Twitter account. But how did you look after your people through COVID-19? You know, if you had to furlough them, what was that process? Did you look after them? Did you provide support? So I think from a personal perspective, you know, we're going to really tap into the kind of stability um, and, and the safety in terms of how we look after our people. We put our people first. And um, obviously, as a customer facing utilities business, you know, we've had to still have our key workers on the ground, you know, fixing uh, pipes, looking after our customers, etc. But we have done that by putting our people first. So I, th- I think that is a, you know, you can't buy that or you can't fake that on a careers website. I think the second uh, a second point to your, your question, I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a uh, crossroads for employer branding. I think if you look at the past kind of five to ten years, you know, we, we, we've seen the rise of, you know, websites getting more and more um, advanced when it comes to content, personalization, um, some fantastic kind of bits and pieces being done there. But I think, um, you know, you don't have to go on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram to kind of to Ellie's point in terms of, you know, everyday working people, whether it's the um, the person in the shop, the person in the office, the person, whatever, they are becoming heroes and stars now. So I think this, I think you're going to see um, a massive acceleration brand advocacy. And I think you're really going to see um, people finally owning employer branding. So, I mean, and, and I, th- I think a perfect example you know, is, is some of the things that have come out recently about how organisations have looked after their people and people have taken to uh, Twitter and other forms of social to shout about it. So, yeah, okay, you're, you know, you might have, you know, a website that says this, LinkedIn that says that, job adverts that kind of tell the story, but people are going to be looking for those real human interactions. And I think, I think it was James Ellis or maybe Lars Schmidt that mentioned it a couple of years ago in terms of, you know, we have your corporate brand and your employer brand. Well, there are kind of brands out there that have ruined either or by separate actions. So now I think, you know, we are in the world where you do, you know, your employer brand can massively affect your corporate brand and vice versa. And, you know, we don't have to mention any of them on here. We all know who they are, but, you know, there are organisations that, you know, have massively negatively dent to their ability to hire on how they've uh, they've treated the staff any same question to you em- employer brand what's changed what does it look like in the future mm-hmm. we closed out the end of last year with an lvp so we've now got a detailed lvp with different pillars um which we align all our content to externally and um we've been talking about what part of that LVP makes us look more attractive and different in the market? Because we we want to avoid that pitfall and the risk of sounding like everybody else when they come out of the pandemic um, with the same messaging. And and what really strikes us about the, the pillar in our LVP is probably human and valued. It's the, the main pillar we have, which has that emotional connection and um, which is really, really relevant to how people are feeling at the moment when they're going through the COVID pandemic. And so we want to make sure as well, we know from research across the organisation that that's the pillar as well, which came across as being the most authentic across our business internally. So that will be our spotlight. That will be where we focus a majority of our content around and the platform for it moving forward. Fantastic stuff. And I think that that makes perfect sense. Uh, Moving on to recruitment technology and uh, moving back to Ben. So how has recruitment technology 
helping you at the moment and are you fast tracking anything into your into your tech stack is um you know is anything changing because of the current situation so um yeah again it's a little bit premature so obviously we, we are going through the, the kind of transformation as i've mentioned but a couple of the um the things that we're going to be really focusing on is um so where um and i think this is one of the the kind of the the most important parts of hiring that sometimes gets forgotten but we are going live with a brand new onboarding platform part of that onboarding platform will be um, a whole range of chatbots um, and go, going back to my previous point you know we want to make sure that that uh, nervy working you notice or you know whatever kind of time period that is we want to make that as smooth as possible so we're ensuring that you know we're using very easy forms of communication so for example i've discussed a chatbot there for things like faqs um getting that question whether it's you know what's the what's the dress code what's my pension location that kind of thing and uh, we're going to be using quite a lot of sms technology which i think is so underused it's untrue in terms of you know just a little bit of updates so you know hi ellie if you go to the onboarding platform, we have this bit of content or how you feel and da 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 We're going to be um, using quite a lot of kind of engagement, kind of temp checking um, software as well um, to really make sure that when people join, because sometimes there's a little bit of a thing when by, you know, you know, when some people join an organization, they go into a little bit of a hole of, well, is it onboarding? Is it induction? Where's the kind of, you know, what where do they fall into? So we're going to kind of trace that journey for the first three months to make sure that they properly embed um, into the organization. And I think, um, and I think as well as that, you know, the, the, the current ATS um, that we use, well, we're just having a good clean, if, if, if that makes sense, in terms of making sure that the workflows make sense, um, where, you know, we're getting good engagement from, from the hiring managers, um, just making sure that, you know, uh, candidates aren't being that sort of thing they, they don't need to do. So I think for me, from a tech, tech stack perspective, is very much around uh, communication. I think engagement is a key one. Um, but I think it's a bit easier to use as well, you know, um, so yeah, I think those are the, those are the things that we're going to be, you know, kind of really focusing on. Ellie, same question: technology. Yeah, one of the things that we're really going to be utilising that's new to us is virtual careers fairs. So we ran our first virtual careers fair back in February, so before the pandemic happened, which was great because we've got a lot of lessons learned from that first one, which always always is a, has a few teething problems but um we're finding we've got our next one booked for june that it's a a great platform for us to be able to go out and talk to candidates get our managers in front of candidates um regardless of where they are geographically they haven't got to travel to a hotel or a conference center or anything like that they log in virtually um when it's convenient for them um and we can really talk to them about what it's going to look like and what we're going to be recruiting for when we go through the recovery phase so there's that element of technology which allows us to connect with each other still really well remotely um it's interesting a couple of things um, Ben mentioned there we're finding now we're in this situation it's forcing us to look at other types of technology that have maybe on, been on the back burner a little bit and um, that text message functionality is absolutely part of that but another thing that we're focusing on at the moment is having a really robust CRM in place um, one of the activities we're trying to focus the recruiters on at the moment is really building some great talent pools so that when we get to the recovery stage we're one step ahead of where we need to be we've already got great pools of candidates that we've qualified and we can fast track them through the process it's really challenging to do that and deliver a good customer experience to a candidate without a crm 
that has all the capability that allows you to have the great communication. So that's a separate project that we're looking into at the moment that I think is fundamental for us as part of our attraction strategy moving forward. One of the things that you've both touched on is career sites. And I always think that they don't get talked about as much as they they, they should because they do sit right at the centre of, of the process, as it were. So question to, to Ellie first this, this time, what's the role of career site systems currently and, and what as an employer, do you need them to be delivering or what are you getting out of the, the system you're, you're using at the moment? Yeah, exactly like you just said, the career site sits pretty much from a talent attraction perspective at the centre of everything we do. It's vital to us maintaining our employer brand across there and the messaging that comes along with that. But also all of the great stuff that we do across social media. So whether it be those Instagram takeovers that we were talking about, um, whether it be content across Facebook or on Twitter, we signpost everything back to our careers website. And there's no point doing really tech-savvy stuff across the social channels if you're directing people back to a careers website that doesn't resonate with the same message, doesn't give the candidate the same feeling when they land on it as well. Um, so it's, it's key to that and it's key to facilitating and continuing the positive candidate journey that they go on as part of their applications. Um, one of the great things we've got as part of our website when a candidate applies is a, is a quick apply process as well. So it's nice and smooth and slick for a candidate. They're, they're not going and seeing loads of fancy snazzy stuff and then going through a really outdated process of five or six different pages of information to apply to us. It really is straightforward and simple. And, and that wouldn't be possible if you didn't have a great career site that sits behind it. Absolutely. Ben, your thoughts on career sites, career site systems? Yeah, I'm going to pretty, uh, pretty much kind of start by pinching what Ellie said in regards to, I think, <laughs> um, you know, there's no point investing lots in social channels and a bits and pieces like that if you get to a careers website and it, it's 1999 all over again. So I think uh, structurally, um, I, I mean, I, I think that the, the best careers website Website out there, out, out there at the moment, you know, it is a journey from the moment that you land to the moment that you press submit or complete or whatever. So I think there has to be a natural flow. I think um, it is, in my opinion, the best place to uh, showcase uh, the mantelpiece, i.e., your EVP. Um, I think, you know, I, yeah, again, I, I love uh, careers websites that really just put people at its heart. And it doesn't have to be, you know, an extraordinary kind of photo shoot or whatever, but just put, you know, if, if I land on your careers website, I want to look at that person there and I would think, right, can I be her? Can I be that person? Can I do that role? Can I put myself in her shoes? Um, so, you know, without using the words authentic and transparent, you know, we need to continue that journey in terms of really putting our people at the forefront um, I think video is a great anchor in terms of getting kind of people's interest but um, kind of finishing on um, you know kind of um, Ellie's point I think the basics have to be there in terms of is it easy to find is it easy to navigate um, it's still quite scary that some websites aren't mobile optimized you know I mean I think uh, when I was at Yodel um, I think we had 74% mo uh, mobile followed by 10 or 15% tablet I can't remember what obviously that the desktop would have been the the, the, um, the kind of the back end of that, um, and when I think it comes to the application itself, you know, um, we we have to make it light enough that people complete it, but we have to make it sticky enough um, that we we get that buy in. I know a lot of people talk about yeah, but you know we want to make it consumer based process. I'm not sure I'm in that camp because I think you do not want a candidate 
to look at your job in the same way that it will be a pair of trainers or a five quid USB stick. You want that buy-in. You want that stickiness to your brand and your content. Um, so I think I think it's got to have good functionality. I think it's got to have a good level of content there. Um, but it but it, it has to give me the why. Why do I want to stay on this website? Why do I want to apply? Why do I want to join the organisation? So, so picking up on something that you both mentioned there is this this idea of this great experience and the the apply process and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, we've you know we've been talking about the candidate experience on webinars for at least a decade, if if not if not two. Um, just to kind of revisit it in the light of the of the current situation, starting by asking Ellie, what does what is a great candidate experience look like now um, and what focus are you going to give it on the on the future is it is it going to change i think the candidate experience now i think one of the things we're learning is that we've got to give our candidates much more flexibility um, i think as soon as you push people into a situation where they're all forced to work from home companies suddenly realize actually this works where they've had teams before that haven't had that flexibility so i think when we move into the new world we're going to see a lot more organisations that have less floor space. They have more people working from home. And we need to be more flexible when it comes to some elements of recruitment around that. So you could be talking about technology around video interviewing. So we're not having to fly people in for interviews. We're being able to do it all virtually, for example. Um, We've got a candidate experience team at the moment that we've set up just to look at the candidate experience to make sure they're at the the heart of that. So one of the things we did before the pandemic and plan to do afterwards is we surveyed a huge range of our candidates to get their honest feedback on how they find the process. It's very easy to assume from inside what your process looks like externally. But we got some great feedback that is helping us shape that candidate experience. Um, and I think the other thing that's key, and this is what we're working really closely with the tracks on um, with our careers website, is making it personalised to the individual. Um, I talked earlier about making sure we're not the same and it's not the same message for everybody. The more we can personalise the elements of our careers website so each candidate gets a unique experience, whether that's the blog content they receive or the jobs that are served to them, I think that will mean an awful lot to candidates moving forward as well. Absolutely. Ben, your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of, um, I was at an event, uh, uh, I think, yeah, earlier in the year, or maybe back in the last year before the uh, kind of madness joined. And, um, you know, anybody who kind of knows me, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to kind of the experience. It's something that's quite passionate to me. And I always, so someone asked me, you know, why, um, why, why am I quite passionate as I am about CX? And I always say, well, I always like to think, you know, a few years ago, my father, um, was made redundant after 30 years in the uh, in the engineering uh, kind of sector and seeing the pain that he went through just to get a little bit of you know part-time cash to kind of take him from under my mum's feet etc was really really painful but I think you know we're probably still talking about kind of that experience because a lot of organizations I totally agree with what Ellie was saying a lot of organizations still don't understand what it is kind of the experience in the same way as a customer experience it's an ecosystem it's an ecosystem made up of maybe six, seven, eight different parts. And, you know, I think one of the problems that we have is, you know, organisations will invest quite a lot in, say, a careers website, but yet they haven't properly coached and educated their hiring managers on what uh, a good interview looks like, or they have uh, biases that they haven't kind of looked at or whatever. So I think 
once organizations really kind of break down that kind of experience into the various kind of steps and look to kind of take each one on as a program or project of work, you are probably going to see, uh, you know, probably going to see the kind of true positive impacts. But I still think that, you know, and this comes back to, I think, the, the whole argument of how commercial we are, you know, I think organizations will probably find out the hard way in the next kind of six to nine to 12 months in terms of you might have a great brand, but if you haven't got a good kind of experience, people will walk away from you because people now will be looking for them 1%, those zero moments of truth. So as I, I think it, it's around the ecosystem, it's around understanding what you do and really breaking down each point and kind of optimizing um, each, uh, each touch point with either a candidate or a new starter. Final question from me. It's a bit of a difficult one, but I think it's important to it's important to ask it. Looking ahead, what's going to be important to talent acquisition moving forward? What do you think is going to be different as we move into 2021? So that question to Ellie first. Yeah, I I think for the rest of this year I'm going to use my buzzword again of flexibility. Um we, as a team, started off the year with a really detailed talent attraction strategy, as we always do. And in the past, we plow through that throughout the year. We adjust to each year. And we had this great plan this year that we were going to execute everything by the end of quarter three, ready to have a strong quarter four, and then think about next year. And obviously, that very quickly in March got derailed. So I think for us this year is a real lesson in being reactive when it's appropriate, but also being able to um, prepare for the future appropriately and have a, a strategy that can be flexible. Um, and I think that will be an element that we will absolutely, when we think about 2021, now we don't know what's around the corner and what can happen. Make sure that any strategies that we build have that flexibility in there if required. Fantastic. Ben? I'm glad you asked Ellie first. Uh, just give me a few seconds to think. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think, Flexibility is a key one. I think I've uh, mentioned uh, my kind of uh, buzzword of the month, which is resilience. You know, I think, you know, I, th I think TA teams have to build a resilience in terms of there will be challenges, you know, in terms of, you know, organisations freezing hiring or um, letting go of some of their kind of TA function. There will be probably downsides on budgets, etc. But I think, yeah, again, this is where, you know, uh, we need to realize we have we have to align ourselves to the business and the, the strategy, as Ellie said, regardless of what a, that is. And I think um, a few people have already mentioned this, but I think you know we, we'll go from more just responsible for hiring, uh, but we will we'll start to operate in more of an advisory role. Um, I think we'll be, we we need to become more um, adept, uh, kind of adept with tech in terms of optimizing. Um, and I think, I think, Ellie, you mentioned this earlier, uh, it's kind of a kind of phrase, but, you know, we need to probably um, be a lot more open-minded with technology. You know, a lot of organisations will be looking at automation. They will be thinking, well, hang on a minute, we spend all this time doing this, but we can bring in the system and it does it in half the time and the quality is amazing. So, you know, I, I think you probably will see TA evolve a little bit um, you know, and, and I think, you know, and I've been kind of banging the drum for years in terms of in a time when cash is going to be really short, we have to be seen as some kind of profit centre and not a cost centre, whether that's through advising the business, advising on technology, um, or just rolling your sleeves up, you know, we, we have to be able to be agile, um, adaptive, and more than anything, resilient. My thanks to Ellie Hart and Ben Gledhill.
And a special thank you to the team at Attracts for organising the webinar and letting me share the audio. If you haven't already, please check out their website at www.attracts.co.uk and find out more about the great work they do. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. You can also listen and subscribe to the show on Spotify. You can find and search all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.